Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. So good. Just um, you need to know that we feel similarly. I feel right at home here. Is it okay if I make myself right at home here tonight? <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's just um, definitely a common heart and uh, love your campus pastors, love your senior pastors. Who's a fan of Jaden and Ash, Chafin and Jess? So cool. It is true that um, Jess, she was Jess Beatty back then, and uh, she was really significant in our youth ministry when our church looked a lot like this church. We would um, bump in and bump out, and youth would bump in and bump out of hired facilities. And yeah, we're just so um, greatly, you know, greatly grateful. We are greatly grateful for uh, for, for Jess and for what she sowed, and um, we were super excited when she met her, well, you know, decided that she was going to marry Shaven and um, and then all the kids later and there are uh, all the churches later and there they are. <laughs> so I just feel so honoured, so privileged to be here with you guys tonight and, um, and sharing this opportunity together to just hear from the heart of God, yeah? Yeah, let's go. Amen. Let's go. I'll check the time so I don't go over time. just want to say hello to Albany as well. Can we say a big hello, Perth, to Albany? I do believe we're recording tonight for them. So hello to you guys whenever you might watch this. Love your church in Albany. And um, as Pastor Jaden just shared, you guys, and, and as, oh, here we go, legacy. Yeah, no, we're in the middle of a, of a series around legacy. And I know that the desire in the heart of your leadership is to not just impact today. The impact today is wonderful. Who's happy to be in church today? I'm happy to be in God's house today, but we don't just want to impact today, amen. We want to impact generations. And I've just noticed there's a lot of babies around here. We had a baby on the screen. We had got babies down the back. Hello, babies. Hi. They're learning to wave, you know. <laughs> They're all like, the mums and dads are gooing and garring over them. They're waving. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. It's beautiful. You know, but so that's the sort of impact we want to have. We want to have an impact for generations. And, and when we think of legacy, we do have the future in mind. We're building something now, but our heart is that future generations will get to enjoy it. Amen. So legacy-minded people don't just want to be here today and gone tomorrow, right? They have a desire to establish something that will last. And that's why the title of my sermon this afternoon is Living Legacy-Minded. Can you just all say, Living Legacy-Minded? Living Legacy-Minded. Come on, let's just pray. Let's just pray and seek the Lord before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you're here. You're here by your Holy Ghost, Father, and we thank you and we praise you. And we open up our hearts to you tonight, Lord. Father, we just say, would you come and have your way? Would you come and do in us what you need to do in us, Father? Lord, we hold nothing back from you, Father. We don't have an agenda in and of ourselves, Lord, but we do pray and ask your kingdom come, your will be done. 
do something special in this room tonight. Impart to our lives, Lord, something greater, some treasures from your spirit, some treasures from heaven that we may take it and steward it and run with it in the days to come, Father God. I pray as a result of this series on legacy, Father, that, that um, Ocean's Church would grow stronger and that the foundation would go deeper. And Father, we know that as the foundation goes deep, so the walls go high. Father, I thank you for a church that is destined in your heart, Lord God, to be that city on a hill, Father, that cannot be hidden, Father, to be a bright light in a dark world. Father, we just started in us tonight. I get myself out of the way, Father, and I ask that you would speak through me, work through me, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. 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 When you think about it, we're actually all a product of legacy. Every single one of us is a product of legacy for all of us. The decisions that other people have made in the past have impacted us. They have. They've contributed to the people that we are sitting here tonight. They've contributed to the way we see the world. They've contributed to the things that we have or the things that we don't have. And somebody else's legacy in your life can either be a positive thing or a negative thing. Depending on the nature of the legacy, the nature of the choices that they have made in your past, it can either be positive or it can be negative. And some of you sitting here today, you've had an amazing opportunity to live in an incredible legacy. You know, if you're fortunate enough to have had godly parents or godly grandparents or great Christian leaders, if they've left you a spiritual heritage and set you up to succeed... If someone's imparted to you materially or physically or spiritually, then you understand that you're blessed. Or at least I hope you do. <laughs> you understand that you're blessed. You should never take that for granted. That legacy in your life is an incredible gift, you understand, because some people never had it. Some people actually don't know what it's like to exist in that kind of legacy. Maybe the legacy that was left to their life was one of brokenness one of dysfunction, one of debt, one of ruin, one of strife, one of trouble and that sort of thing. And anyone knows that that is a hard road to walk. That person was not set up to succeed. That person actually starts living life a little bit from behind. Now saying that we don't dive into hopelessness because we serve a God who can redeem, rescue and restore all things, right? Do I have an amen? He can restore all things, restore all things. He's greater than any hurt, brokenness, or pain we could ever experience. Amen. Amen. He can turn it all for good. But the truth and the principle remains that to certain degrees, we are all a product of legacy. You know, even this church is, is a product of legacy. This church didn't just magically appear. Ta-da did it guys <laughs> it is not a ta-da sort of thing it didn't just happen if this church is your home church and you go I am planted here at Oceans Perth and growing here and enjoying here you're living in someone's legacy you understand you are I think of Pastor Norman Bev Beatty come on Pastor Norman Bev decades of faithful service 
decades of raising their little girl called Jess to be the sort of woman that would say yes. Amazing, amazing. Imagine that. You know, their legacy, fun fact, their legacy is even in me. The very first Sunday morning service I ever preached was at Ocean's Albany. Amen. Like Pastor Norm believed in me. He believed in 21-year-old me. What were you thinking, Pastor Norm? (laughs) He remembers the moment and so do I. He even remembers the text, John chapter 15, about abiding in Christ and the vine and the branches. That was my message. I'm sure it wasn't very good. But you know, when someone someone does something and believes in you, it does something in you, right? You know, so their legacy is in me. And I think of I think of Shafin and Jess. I think of their yes. I think of their sacrifice. I think of all the people that have sown financially and they've paid the rent and they've bought the land and they've built the buildings and, and they've served their hearts out. I think of the legacy of HarvestNet that is in this church and Pastor David Storer and all right here, right now, here tonight on the 4th of June, we're sitting in legacy. We are sitting in legacy, a product of the choices that other people have made in the past. And this is what I need you to catch. Legacy is an incredibly powerful thing for all the generations. And understanding this is not like just, gee, that's interesting. We don't just sit back and go, oh, that's lovely. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. No, no, it has implications for you and for me. Understanding the power of legacy has implications because not only did we all receive some sort of legacy, but all of us are actually going to leave some sort of legacy. You understand? It just got real. You know, we're all going to leave a legacy. It's not just about looking back and thinking, what sort of legacy did I receive? But the legacy-minded person looks forwards and thinks, what sort of legacy am I going to leave for somebody else? Like, what is going to be credited to me? What's going to be credited to, to my life and my giving and my actions Is it going to be positive? Is it going to be a blessing? Or is it going to be something different? They're big questions, aren't they? You know, no one gets off the legacy hook. No one gets let off. Whether we like it or not, we are all just links in a long legacy chain. Yes, from one generation we receive, but also true to another generation we will give. That makes you a link. You join a past generation to a future generation. That makes you a link in the legacy chain. And you might be like, hold up. (laughs) I'm not old. (laughs) Hold up. I'm young. I'm not up to thinking about legacy with my life yet. I don't have anything to give. I'm a uni student. I'm poor. I can't even put more than $5 fuel in my car. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a mom. I'm not a dad, although many of you are. We found that out. (laughs) But it doesn't matter, you know. It actually doesn't matter. Even if you're young in this place, you don't get off the legacy hook either. Because firstly, and this might be a newsflash for some of you, young adults don't stay young forever. Speaking from experience, I'm only a little bit bitter about it, (laughs) just a bit. The Lord is working on my heart to cleanse me from the inside. But no, (laughs) young adults do not stay young forever. Young adults grow old, so you may as well start now. You're never too young 
to start thinking about legacy. And the other thing you've got to know is whilst legacy does include finance, it does include resource, it's actually so much more than that. It's so much more already. Even if you're young, in some way or another, your life is already impacting others. Whether you're prepared to accept it or not, you're already having an impact, maybe in faith, maybe in character, maybe in vision, maybe in um, hope, maybe in your speech. You're already impacting. You're already leaving some sort of legacy. The big question is this, so what kind of legacy are you leaving? In fact, it's a question to the young, it's a question to the old, it's a question to absolutely everyone. What kind of legacy are we leaving? Are we leaving? Is it going to bless future generations or is it going to hinder them? Is it going to set them up for success or is it going to give them something to get over? Is it going to lead them closer to Jesus Christ or is it going to lead them away? Big questions. To be legacy-minded people is actually utterly counter-cultural. It is. We live in a culture, a society that is inherently self-interested. They're mostly about self and mostly not about others. And we have this deep propensity to live for the now and get what we can, all we can, while we can, right now. Am I speaking to someone? We know what it's like. Rather than investing in the future, it's take, 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 rather than give, give, give. And I know we're all, you know, probably Christians in this house, and we know that we're not supposed to think like that. But the truth is that even for Christians, the temptation can be so real to be mostly interested in self and not so much interested in others, and mostly interested in what we can get rather than interested in what we can give. And, and even in the church, we can be more interested in our own experience with God rather than someone else getting the opportunity to experience God. We say, Jesus, come build our kingdom. But he's wanting us to go build his. Amen. And I believe there's a calling for you and a calling for me in churches like Oceans and churches like Nations and the body of Christ at large to actually flip the script, to actually live legacy-minded, to live our lives and build something now in such a way that it's going to be a game changer for somebody else, to live such big and selfless lives on earth that many, many will be impacted and glorify God as a result. Amen? Who wants to live that kind of life? Amen? Living legacy-minded, I believe, is actually a byproduct of our discipleship. It's actually very hard to break the bonds of, our, uh, of, of self-interest by willpower or by good intention alone. But I believe breaking those bonds of self-interest comes naturally as a result and as an overflow of our discipled life as we keep company with Jesus. See, See, to be a Christian isn't just to be part of a club. Yeah? Hello? To be, to be a Christian is more than just, you know, a box we tick on census night, you know, or, or just a church attender. You know, to be a Christian is so much more than that. To be a Christian is to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we understand that the goal of discipleship is to be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit into the likeness and into the image of Jesus. So that as every passing year goes by, 
you look a little bit more like him and you sound a little bit more like him and you live a little bit more like him. And when we think about it, we remember that Jesus left the greatest legacy the world has ever known or seen. If you're sitting here tonight saved and free and whole, then you are living in the legacy of the cross. You are living in the legacy of Jesus' own choices. It's because he chose to surrender his own will and pick up the will of the Father and go to the cross. You're living in his legacy tonight if you're living saved and free. Amen. He modeled for us, our Jesus modeled for us how to live an entire life for others, how to live a whole life for others so that future generations, even up to you and me right now, would have and could have this access to relationship with God. So it goes without saying then, if we're walking as his disciples and becoming more and more like him, then as a result of that discipled life, we too start to make choices that are for others and not for self that are going to bless others and not be about blessing self. So it's in the context of this discipleship that living legacy-minded is actually enabled and made possible in our lives. You're tracking with me today. As the Holy Spirit goes to work in us and we follow Him and we look like Him and we give our lives for others. And maybe you're here and you're maybe, maybe in the quiet place of your heart, you're struggling to give a rip about others. Like, let's be honest, like it happens to all of us all of the time. You know, you're struggling maybe to want to give or sacrifice or serve for the sake of someone else. I want to tell you the answer for that is not mustering up more willpower. And the answer for that is not berating yourself for being a bad person and being a selfish person. The answer for that is hang out more with Jesus Christ. Like devote yourself more and more to discipleship, your own personal discipleship and a passion to see Christ formed in you. Because I promise that as Christ is formed in you, it's going to flow naturally out of that place because you look like him and he looks like everyone. Amen. When we bring this legacy-minded thinking into the context of the church, we decide that we want to partner with God in building a church that's going to be a healthy spiritual house and home for many generations to come, amen. And I know your leadership at Oceans don't want Oceans to just be great today or even next year, but their vision is to see it be a spiritual home where your children can grow up, where all these babies can grow up and the children's children. And it's not just a here today, gone tomorrow church, but a legacy church that can propel future generations into their destiny in Christ and to be that light bright light in a dark world, amen. And and you've got this heart for the house offering coming up to, to financially sow into that vision becoming a reality, amen, because your church needs buildings. Your church needs land. Your church needs resource. It, it needs to not be in debt, amen. Like we celebrate the building in Albany. We really do. That is amazing. That is a miracle. And we honor the legacy-minded people that made that happen, But pity us if we think that it ends there. If we think that we've arrived or we've stopped, Perth needs a building. Hello? Thank you, Telethon Institute. This is great. This is really nice. But Oceans Perth needs their own home. 
That's the future vision. Look, you, because churches subject to leases and landlords and higher arrangements and that, those churches are vulnerable. You know, because you're subject to maybe a decision that somebody else would make in the future. But when we have our own land and our own building, these places become spiritual homes that ensure security for future generations. Do I make sense? You know, and that's what, that's what that whole offering is about. No one needs your money, but we're, we're, we're building for the future. We're building for the babies. We're building so that this house is a home for generations to come. And with the time that we've got left here together today, I want to inspire you towards living legacy-minded from the life of the greatest church builder, the greatest church planter in Scripture, and that's the life of the Apostle Paul. Can I just grab my water down there? Is this helping someone today? Oh, thank you. So good. Paul... If you're familiar with Paul in the scripture, he was radically touched by Jesus. He had such an incredible encounter with Jesus that changed the entire trajectory of his life. And out of that encounter, he became so devoted to following Jesus that he then lived his whole life, his whole life to ensure that others could know this Jesus too. And as somebody that was so devoted to others' experience of Jesus, he trained and released leaders. He wrote letters. He planted churches so that people could have spiritual homes and places where they could grow in Christ and grow in community. Make sense? And we glean so much about what it takes to live legacy-minded from the way that the Apostle Paul conducted his life and the way he thought about building people and building God's house. And I'm going to take you to a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. And the context of this text, <coughs> excuse me, is that he's actually talking to the church in Corinth. He's talking to Christian people who were behaving badly. And, and they had lost sight of what it was all about. These Christian people in Corinth were arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest apostle and what faction they belonged to. And some of them said, I belong to Paul. And some of them said, I follow Apollos. And to be honest, some of the nonsense that they had got themselves into sounds a little bit like some of the nonsense we sometimes get ourselves into in the church in Perth. You know, we can get so distracted can't we by comparing churches and comparing church sizes and what we like and what we don't like and what we agree with and what we don't agree with and who we follow and who we don't follow and and to the Christians at the church in Corinth Paul actually says he interrupts all the nonsense and says you're being immature and you're being unspiritual <laughs> he's just a gentle guy he just slaps them right across the the face metaphorically and and he just puts them back in order but then he goes on in verse uh what is it five to reflect on his own life and ministry as a church builder and in doing so he corrects their thinking as he speaks to them about legacy leaving he speaks to them about what he did to leave a legacy and we're going to read it together from verse 5 he says what after all is Apollos and what or who after all is Paul? We are only servants and we are servants who, through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. 
I, this is Paul speaking, I planted the seed and Apollos watered the seed, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. I actually love, I, this is probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture in, in the whole Bible. And there is so many insights in this text about what it takes to live legacy-minded. And the very first thing that I want you all to see that at the end of the day, regardless of who you are, what you are, where you are, at the end of the day, we're all just servants. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're all just servants. We're all just servants. So Paul is reflecting on his own ministry. And you think about the enormity of what he accomplished. You think about the masses of people that came to know Jesus because of this man. You think about all the churches that he planted. And yet he said, in it all, I'm just a servant. I'm no big shot. <laughs> I'm no celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. You know, I'm not here for your honor. I'm not here for your recognition. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. And so to live legacy-minded is to understand your role as a disciple is a life of service. Do you get that? Your role as a disciple is a life of service. When you sign on to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you actually sign on to a life of service. Your first job is to love and serve God. And as a result of that, your job is to love and serve people. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, a life of service. What did Jesus say? He says, if anyone wants to be great... They must be the servant of all. He said, follow me. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So if we're following him and being transformed into his likeness and image, we take on this servant nature. And Paul here absolutely embodied the truth, this truth, when he said, I'm not someone to be pedestaled. I'm not someone who's anything in particular. He says, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? They're only servants. Paul was busy serving the people because he was devoted to serving Jesus. And therefore, his legacy, all those people he reached, all those churches he planted, they all sprung forth from his position as a servant. And so too, for us to live legacy-minded, it's going to spring forth as we assume this position of servant. That our job is to love and serve God, love and serve people. Amen? Amen. And the next thing I want you to see about living legacy-minded is to know that in the moment it might not look like much. Your legacy leaving acts in the moment might not look like much. When you consider the text, when you look again, you say, well, what amazing thing did you do, Paul? What supernatural thing went down, you know, to build the church, to leave such an amazing legacy? What did you do? And he says, I planted and Apollos watered. 
what do you mean? You know, you just kind of planted and you just kind of watered. Like it's not very exciting. In the moment, that doesn't look like much. I would expect legacy leaving to be a bit more spectacular. I would expect legacy leaving to be something more grand and impressive. But that is not the way Paul reflected on his ministry. He said, we just sowed and we planted and we watered. And if we're going to live legacy mind, we've got to understand that often our legacy leaving acts don't look like much in the moment. And I think frequently we're guilty of looking for the spectacular. Frequently we're impressed by the big and by the flashy and by the bright lights. And perhaps in that mindset we think, who am I to leave a legacy? And we think perhaps we don't have anything of significance to offer, don't have much to give, I don't have much to say, I'm incapable. We think that what we do, what we say, it doesn't matter, so we might stop. So we might not do anything, not say anything, maybe we withhold, maybe we don't give. And I'm here to say to you today that so often our legacy leaving acts don't look like much in the moment. And we've got to look at Paul's analogy again because he's likening this legacy leaving ministry to a farmer who's just going out day by day going out to the field. I'm going out to tend to it. I'm going out faithfully. I'm going out consistently. I'm going out sowing seeds here, seeds there, tending to what has been planted. And sometimes I bet it's lonely. And sometimes I bet it's a bit messy. And sometimes you can't perceive any impact at all. Because what happens to the seed when it's first sown? The first thing that happens is it goes into an obscure place. It goes underground and you have no idea what's happening under the surface. And so there's, an, there's a degree to which you sow in faith. There's a degree to which you plant in faith. It doesn't look like much, but you do it anyway in faith. Because the farmer knows that's the process. The farmer knows that's what is required for a harvest in the future. Amen. And these are the concepts that Paul reaches for when it comes to building people, when it comes to building the church, leaving a legacy. He's saying, so. He's saying plant. He's saying water. It might be small. It might not look like much, but it's the means to an end. This is the process. This is the way we reach harvest. Amen. Amen. You might feel like your legacy leaving acts aren't super significant. You know, I just served the coffee. That's all I did. (laughs) I just looked after a couple of kids. You know, I just played a couple of songs on my guitar. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I just set up. I just packed down. I just stayed a bit late to lock up the building. I just gave a hundred bucks. I gave a thousand bucks. So, you know, it was a lot for me. But what's that going to do when we're talking about buildings? We're talking about land. We're talking about all that stuff. That's what I want to say to you. It might not look like much, but that's exactly what it takes. That is exactly what it takes when a whole group of servants get the revelation that I'm just sowing, I'm just planting, I'm just watering. That is exactly what it takes to raise a harvest, leave a legacy. Amen. 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 I know you guys are doing that. I know you guys are already seeing that. I just want to put fire, uh, you know, fuel on that flame that's already going in your heart and say it matters so much. 
it matters so deeply. What you're sowing, what you're, what you, how you're serving, it matters so much. Amen. And that brings me to my last point because when we work, God works. Final point, when we work, God works. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God. Everyone say, but God. But God brought the increase. God has been making it grow. And this is the greatest understanding that we need to carry when it comes to living legacy-minded. God brings the increase. When we do what we can do, we actually pave a way for God to write in and do what only He can do. It is actually a divine partnership. And we see Paul reflected on that divine partnership here in 1 Corinthians 3 in verse 9. He calls himself a co-worker a co-worker in God's service. He's the one that planted these churches, but he actually calls the churches God's building. God's building. You hear this language of partnership. So when we sign on as disciples and when we take our role as servants seriously and when we do small things in faith, even if it doesn't look like much, that is the moment when God can ride in. That is the moment when he can come and take our seeds, take our sowing, take our few small dollars or whatever and turn them into an incredible harvest. Turn that into a legacy. He's the one that can do more than we ask, think or imagine. Amen? He's the God of Ephesians 3.20. It says in Ephesians 3.20 that he does immeasurably more than all we can ask or think or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That is his nature. That is who our God is. And that, if you want to know the testimony of Nations Church, that's actually our testimony. And people might look at us today and go, oh, uh, you've got a building and you've got a few locations or whatever. But I want to say it's not a credit to us. It is a credit to God. It is a credit to the Ephesians 3.20 nature of the God that we serve. All we did, if we did anything, we kept on showing up. <laughs> We kept on planting, we kept on sowing, we kept on watering, and then He rode in. And He has done immeasurably more than we could ask, than we could think, or that we could imagine. This is His nature. He's no respecter of persons. If He did it for us, He will do it for you. If he's did it at nations, he can do it at oceans, amen. I promise you there were days in our journey, many days, many weeks, many years and seasons that it did not look like anything. It was a bump in, bump out. It was a few dollars. It was the gospel clumsily preached. It was bad transitions. It was instant coffee because it was all we could afford. You know, it was those sorts of things. But as we committed ourselves, people, as we committed ourselves to discipleship and to serving God and to serving people and to show up in season and out of season, that was exactly what God needed to raise a harvest, to bring the increase and for God to show himself faithful. We sung it earlier, faithful. He showed himself faithful on account of his servants. Amen. And so as the singers and musos come back and join me, I think the question for us all today, what are you giving God for him to increase? What about your life right now? Are you giving him 
to increase. Who are you serving? What are you sowing? Where are you planting? Where are you watering so that God can bring the increase? Because guaranteed, He can't increase the coffee we don't pour. (laughs) Guaranteed, He can't increase the academy you don't enroll in. Guaranteed he can't increase the the dinner party you don't go to, the dinner party you don't host. You know, he can't increase the things that we don't do. He can only bring increase to the things that we do do. Amen. You know, where are the servants that would just devote themselves? Where are the servants that would just get busy living really big lives for the glory of God? Determined to sow this, determined to plant that, determined to give and love and serve and seeing that as they are faithful, that God is also faithful. And that they get the joy, the privilege, the great grace of standing in the harvest that God breathes upon and seeing their lives as legacy-leaving lives. Amen. Amen. Do I have a people that want to live legacy-minded? Thank you, God. Let us live legacy-minded. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet all over this building? We're just servants. We're just servants. And it might not look like much. But when we work, God works. Amen. Oceans Church, you are called to be a generational church. Oceans in Albany, you already are a generational church. We honour your legacy, but it isn't over. It doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop now. You're called for generational impact. You're called for sons and daughters. You're called that a future generation and even a generation not yet born would know the Lord, would find His saving grace, would have their lives built on the foundation that is Christ. Come on, right where you are. Why don't you just close your eyes and start to meditate on the Lord. And let's just sing that beautiful song. That Christ is our firm foundation. And as we do that, I just want you to think about yourself as a servant, as a legacy leaver. Come on, let's just sing that. Let's sing it again. Christ is my firm foundation. Christ is my firm.
Come on, sing that out. He won't. Do you believe it? what you're doing in this room, God. Speak into your sons. Speak into your daughters. Speak into lives. Father, I thank you that we live in the legacy of the cross. Father, I thank you no matter what it hurt, no matter what brokenness, no matter what dysfunction, no matter what shame. Father, I thank you that we have a new family. We have a new home, Lord, in you. Father, I thank you that you've bestowed such great love on us that we get to be called your sons and your daughters, Father. And even people here that have like just only known a legacy that is not less than ideal, right now I see Holy Spirit just coming and just reminding you you're part of God's family. You're part of God's family, that your dad is a king, that your dad is a king and his house is your home and he loves you so much. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this revelation. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that your sons and your daughters aren't in lack, God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for ministering to your children right now, God. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to open up this altar because there's a couple of groups of people as I was praying for you in the week. And as I was preparing to minister here and preparing this word, I just really sensed a couple of groups of people that the Lord wants to minister to. And the first group of people, you need to reaffirm your posture as a servant. If you're honest, maybe some of your servant 
like the idea of I'm about loving God and loving people, serving God and serving people, that's drifted in your life as you've become distracted with this or that, as you become distracted with your own goals and your own end. And there is no condemnation because every single one of us goes through that. But you might be here in this room tonight and you just know you need to reaffirm. It's like you you just need to correct the course of your life. You maybe started to drift a bit off this way, but tonight you're coming back and you're saying, Lord, my life is a life of service. I want to be a disciple of Christ. I'm reconfirming. I'm recommitting, Lord, that that." I want to be transformed into your likeness and into your image. That's one group of people. The other group of people I had on my mind is that you are a bit discouraged. In your serving, in some of your serving, you're a bit discouraged. You're, you're really stuck in that place of it doesn't look like much. And, and, and you're questioning its worth. You're questioning its value because it doesn't look like much. And maybe you've shared your testimony here and there and maybe it seems as if it's fallen on dead ears. And maybe you've invited people to church and invited people to God's house and tried to be a witness, but you've faced rejection in those places. Or maybe you've been trying to build a ministry, but it doesn't seem like it's getting off the ground or there's just no traction or, or, or the things you've given just seem to be so insignificant and there's a temptation to just fall into discouragement. But I feel like Holy Spirit wants to encourage you tonight and remind you that a seed is small. A seed is a small thing, but a seed is all that God needs to bring the increase, to bring the harvest, amen? A seed is all He needs to work with and work on for you to be a legacy-leaving individual. Don't you quit. Scripture says don't grow weary in doing good because it's going to yield a harvest, produce a harvest. So right now, if you're in either of those categories, you need to reaffirm your life as a disciple, a servant, or you need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to keep on going. Even when you're not seeing the fruitfulness, you step out of your seat right now, right now. I want to lay hands on you. I want to believe for an encounter for your life right now as the team continues to lead us. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.